Having a pipeline of talented and trained workers is integral for a thriving community. It doesn't happen by chance, though. With a high demand for workers these days, Augusta Technical College is training our workforce for the jobs right here in our community. We're talking to the man in charge of Augusta Tech, Dr. Jermaine Whirl, on this episode of Range of Influence. Welcome back to another episode of the ROI podcast or Range of Influence brought to you by Premier Networks. I'm Russell Ahadney, President and CEO of the Columbia County Chamber of Commerce, and I'm here in studio with my friend and co-host Reagan Williams, Senior Vice President at Maybaum Real Estate and past chair of the chamber. Russ, it's so good to be back in the studio. We've taken a bit of a hiatus, but we're back and this episode is exciting. We've got Dr. Jermaine Whirl, president of Augusta Technical College. He's been all over the place. If you've been anywhere in this community, you've seen him in a short time since he joined the Augusta Tech team at the end of 2020. Uh, he's done so many things, so many monumental things in this community. And I think today's conversation is going to be great. You said it. I, I've joked with him that he either has a twin brother or a clone somewhere in the community because uh, he is literally everywhere. So. We're going to dive into that conversation with Dr. Whirl, but before we get started, here's a quick message from our presenting sponsor, Premier Networks. Premier Networks is the premier information technology and cybersecurity firm in the CSRA. You have enough to worry about for your business. Leave it to the Augusta IT guys to ensure your IT is done right. No ironclad contracts, no fine print, just fast, reliable technology from an experienced customer-centric team, locally owned. Call for a free cyber assessment because in 2021, IT has to be right. Premier Networks, the official IT partner of the Augusta Green Jackets. Hey, Dr. Whirl, welcome to the uh, ROI studio. Good to have you here. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for the invitation and look forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Reagan, welcome back. It's good to be back. Uh, after a little hiatus, it's great to be back in the studio. Uh, I'm very excited about the conversation today. So uh, today is going to be a good day to learn about some things that are happening in our community and a great technical college that uh, is a such a valuable thing to the Augusta. So Dr. Whirl, why don't you just start with you, you came here uh, about 2020, the end of 2020. Talk a little bit about your background and, and how you ended up here in Augusta. Well, very, very fortunate to end up here in Augusta. Um, I'm a Charleston, South Carolina native. Grew up there. Uh, interestingly enough, both of my parents actually met at a technical college uh, in 1974 in a speech class. Uh, my father's originally from Natchez, Mississippi. My mom's from Charleston. And uh, they both were working on an associate's degree. My mom, an associate's degree in criminal justice, and my dad, uh, he was getting some skilled trades out of the Army to eventually get a bachelor's degree. And so they met there, and I tell people I'm, quote-unquote, birthed out of a technical college uh, because of that experience. But I grew up in Charleston Public School, uh, went to a, a magnet high school, which was focused on technical education, and uh, actually got the major in marketing hospitality. And so that was really my entree view into technical ed. Uh, I went, of course, the four-year path, um, wanted to get a degree in economics, and then shortly after graduating, um, I couldn't find a job in banking. I wanted to work for the Federal Reserve as an economist, ended up working at a, a group home, DSS Custody Kids, and that was my uh, entry into education. Uh, uniquely hired a former professor, math professor of a two-year college, 
the tutor and he, you know, basically persuaded me, you might think about teaching. And so I was working on my MBA at night, going to work during the day. And by the time I graduated, I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do, um, working at a two-year college. And then the rest is history. Started at um, East Georgia State College in Swainsboro and uh, just got promoted and took other opportunities. And fast forwarding, uh, my last position was in Greenville, South Carolina. I was the, uh, the provost. Uh, essentially of that institution running academic schools, continuing education and economic development. Uh, Greenville Tech is the second largest technical college in South Carolina with about 20,000 students total, 11,000 credit, another nine, 10,000 non-credit. So great community, did that for four years. Uh, And then Terry Elam, long-term president here at Augusta Tech, had announced his retirement in 2019 and, um, and then they had the search in 2020 and very fortunate to get the job. So very excited to be here. A lot of opportunities in Augusta. And so um, that's my, my quick uh, history into Augusta. Well, it's an impressive history. I mean, I, I feel like I need to update my resume and pad it a little bit to make sure I can compete with that. It's pretty that's impressive. Right. Uh, and it, and it's, it's a great story to hear you birthed out of the technical college. I mean, that really runs in your blood. Uh, and, and I would imagine that there's a lot uh, history in the, in the family about that to you to lean on to talk about kind of the changes that have come over the years uh, you know better than anybody how valuable technical colleges are to a community absolutely to uh, our education system and to our business community and, and how we uh, produce and promote really good skilled trade uh, so you're also part of a statewide system uh, can you explain kind of what Augusta Tech is, what it provides, and the system that you are a part of uh, in the state? Yeah, I'll be glad to. You know, we are part of a 22-college system here in the state of Georgia. So we have 22 colleges throughout the state uh, that mirror what we do. Um, our mission is essentially workforce development for those who are um, state residents for a long time. It used to be known as DTAE the Department of Technical and Adult Education that really started in the 1980s. Essentially, the system was birthed to help economic development. Uh, Technical colleges specifically were uh, developed by local counties initially in the 60s uh, as a recruitment tool to bring new business to the state. Uh, If you think about Georgia in the 1960s, it was mostly an agrarian society, and they were trying to bring more industrial jobs. So the way to do that was to have technical training programs that would provide the workforce for future employers. And so we were built out of uh, Richmond County um, as an extension of Richmond County public schools and then eventually taken over by the state. And we've kept that same mission to ensure that we have technical programs that feed into our advanced manufacturing economy or healthcare, of course now cyber, IT. and, uh, And so that's what we do essentially, but more importantly, we do it at affordable costs. We make it very, very accessible and we have short-term programs that really try to get people in and out uh, so that they can get to the labor force and to the marketplace quicker. So that's really the intent of the institution, and we do that quite well here at Augusta Tech. Well, and I think that's important. You, you kind of touched on some of the key issues right now. Obviously, workforce is a huge problem uh, throughout the, the business community, trying to find the, the qualified people that, that can do the job. Uh, talk maybe a little bit about that and how um, – you know, you guys have some some programs that are either free or, or you know, low cost options uh, that maybe a high school student not really sure what they want to do in life. Uh, there's an opportunity for them to kind of get right into the workforce pretty quickly and, and make a decent paycheck without 
having to have a uh, four-year college debt that they have to pay for. So No, very true. You know, I would say our, our secret sauce at the institution is that we are hand-in-hand with business and industry. So the college has 138 programs to study. For every single one of those programs, we have an advisory board from the local community. So if you just take IT as an example, um, we have about 30 board members from ADP, other community partners um, that serve on that, and they provide input on our curriculum. So that way, when we teach, whether it's programming or Java or C++, we're teaching them the skills that that employer needs right here in our local community. And so when I graduate, graduates, they come out pretty seamlessly uh, because that curriculum is a reflection of what the employers need. And so we do that twice a year, uh, fall and spring. We feed them a great lunch. Uh, but more importantly, we get that direct input. Uh, and then the other side of that, those employers are, guess what? They're hiring our graduates uh, because they have a touch point with the institution. And so with that, we've had a great success rate. Eighty-seven percent of our graduates are getting employed in field immediately after graduation. Uh, and a 99% placement rate overall. Uh, And with that, the state of Georgia has really, I would say over the last decade, spent a lot of its energy and taxpayer dollars uh, to ensure that our programs are affordable. Our tuition is set across the state at $100 a credit hour. So one class is 300 bucks. That's an incredible value in today's higher education marketplace, especially um, when you think about our institution has the same accreditation as Duke, Florida State, Texas A&M, North Carolina, UGA, Georgia Tech. We have to meet the same quality, the same faculty credentials, and our courses transfer to the university system. So I always tell parents, why pay 1500 bucks for an English class that you can take with me for $300? Um, so we just, we just want people to be better consumers uh, of their educational experiences. And then more importantly, the programs that we do offer, um, they have a direct input into the marketplace. So in addition to the tuition uh, costs, which is very, very affordable, the state has also put additional money into the HOPE Career Grant. Uh, This grant is focused on what we call short-term programs that are a year or less, uh, typically two, maybe three semesters at most in high demand areas. So if you're going into HVAC, aviation maintenance, automotive, diesel, welding, uh, licensed practical nursing, computer programming, uh, we have about 40 programs Uh, You can walk into our doors today and pay no tuition. It is completely covered by the state of Georgia. Uh, And that's a very, very good deal, especially for those who may not have the money to go to college or they simply don't want to be burdened with that debt. Uh, And more importantly, as I always tell folks, if the state is paying for those programs, you go to work, let your employer pay for your bachelor's degree because the employers are more than willing to do that through tuition reimbursement or other means. And so I think there are ways to still get at uh, what folks want in life, but just take an alternative path uh, and not have that debt settled on you. You gave so many stats. Uh, We've got to unpack some of those. The first one that I was a a bit blown away, and and correct me if I got this wrong, but you've got 138 programs you mentioned, and each one of those has an advisory board based upon communities or businesses in the community. We have 675 advisory board members total at the college that come there twice a year. I'm just thinking about the the resources and time, right, to organize and to meet with and to go through all that. I mean, it's an it's an impressive task, and and I've I've known a lot about what you guys do at the Augusta Tech, but that alone uh, has such far-reaching impact into the business community. I mean, I'm not sure, Russ, if you 
or aware of that kind of depth that the the college is absolutely involved yeah, in. But that's impressive. So so how how do you put that group together? How how do you go out and get the right community partners to be on those boards to help you get your curriculum right and to understand what the future workforce demands are going to be? Yeah, so our department heads and our academic deans, that's their responsibility to reach out to industry to say, hey, we will like, and we try to find the folks who are doing the work. So we don't necessarily want the executive or the VP or the CEO. We want the technical manager. We want the plant manager. We want the operations person uh, because they are the ones that really can tell us what that workforce need is. And so we go out and we ask them to serve. Uh, We don't pay them, but we feed them. Uh, But we ask them to serve on this advisory board because their input is incredibly important to the process. And they always say yes because they, they want to be a part of that talent development. So it's a growing opportunity. And uh, for those who are interested, we will love to bring on more folks. And, again, that's across every program. So from, again, computers, we have golf course maintenance, we have horticulture, we have barbering cosmetology, we have culinary arts. So if you just think about the variety of folks that are coming on the campus twice a year, it, it is pretty impactful. It's interesting because I think most people think of college and it's just like, oh, they just have their their general thing. But you guys, you're focused on the industry in our backyard. You're not focused on, you know, maybe uh, something that's not not even here. You know, to to your point, you talked about the people that graduate, the majority of them, I think you said close to 90% are being placed immediately after graduating uh, into the into the workforce, so that's that's key. You know, it, like you said, you, you go to a four year college and you get a degree in something, and it's like, well, I just got a degree in something that doesn't exist in my backyard, or in a very limited way. But but you know, uh, I think with with some of the programs, and and you touched on one too, and in, in, uh, specific that I wanted to ask you a little bit about. Uh, you guys were in the news recently. Um, uh, Hudson Automotive Group and Augusta National both ponied up a million dollars, correct? Correct. To go to your automotive program, is that correct? It's very true. So tell me a little bit about that. What? How significant, A, are those dona- donations um, to supporting this program that you guys have, but also what will that what will that generate? What will that, how will that impact the, the college? Yeah, well, let me, let me add to uh, the, the previous comment conversation we just had about the significance of the advisory boards. And I'm going to answer that question about automotive. Um, for us, the reason why that connection is so important, 95% of our graduates stay local. And so when we're graduating somebody, they're not going off to Atlanta or DC. They're, they're staying here. They're having families. They're paying taxes. So that money recycles here in the community. Um, and that's very, very important for us. Well, you're right. I think that's important because, you know, I know so many students who go off to college, Notre Dame, right? Or they go across the country to someplace where you're, where Russ is from in California. <laughs> and, uh, it, but they never intend to stay there, right? I mean, it's always about going to that college and then returning back to some place. And, and I've seen statistics where they, they often do stay in those locations. But, I mean, these are usually – people who are have no in, intentions to leave Augusta. They, they need to get a job and stay right here. And I mean, so that's, that is important because Augusta Tech is, is somebody who are growing people from, from within to, to take the jobs of tomorrow. Uh, and it's really important what you guys are doing. Yeah, and I, and I would add um, that our system uh, is unique that we guarantee our graduates. And what I mean by that 
uh, if we graduate a welder, as an example, and they go out and they work for SRS, Plant Vogel, and they're not able to, to do welding at the level that that employer needs, the employer can send them back to us for retraining at no cost to the employer. Wow. That is huge and unheard of. Yeah. And so we take our quality extremely important, and that's why the connection with business and industry is there, which leads me to talking about the automotive training facility. That's right. And, and why Augusta National and Jim Hudson made the investment that they did. Uh, several things came about with that. Um, we had met with 30 uh, automotive slash dealers and automotive OEMs uh, about seven, eight months ago. And they came to the college, um, and we had a discussion about just training needs. They need technicians. We need diesel mechanics. You know, they, they had all of these things. Electrical vehicles is coming up, and there's no training for that, right? Uh, auto body repair, um, major shortages. And then you also have to think about fleet vehicles for the county, school buses. I mean, the, the numbers just go on and on and on. And so at our institution right now, we currently have about 10,000 square feet of space. Uh, we're only really able to get about 50 to 70 students max in that, in that facility just based on our, our footprint. And so, you know, as they brought those, those needs, I said, well, we need a larger space and I also need something to do some innovative projects with. And so we started looking at um, existing property because we didn't really want to wait for the state uh, to get money to build a new, a new facility that would just take too long. And, um, and we really wanted to be, you know, reactive uh, for our business industry. And so there was some property uh, in the downtown area that was uh, becoming vacant. And so we had a conversation with Augusta National about how can we do this transformative project? How can we take an existing property and make it a simulated car dealership where you're not only teaching the auto technician side of the house, but you're also teaching how to be a salesperson, finance person, uh, parts department, service department, um, those things that we don't, there's no training for in the country. Uh, but more importantly, giving an opportunity for students to actually service vehicles. So you can come up, Russell, drive your car into the service lot students check you in, CRM systems, drive in the back, fix your vehicle, have you in a waiting lobby, and actually see how that operates. And then those students can go off and work for Jim Hudson or other car dealerships. Uh, and we need an auto body. Um, we're also looking at doing something pretty cool with motorsports. Uh, so we've had a conversation with NASCAR uh, about doing some things in that facility. And of course, diesel, um, our heavy and light diesel uh, you know, equipment manufacturers and outside of electrical vehicles, early conversations right now with Tesla. So it's been very interesting to kind of see, okay, if we have these partners, we, we need some seed money to make this project go. And Augusta National came right to the table and said, we believe in what you're doing. You, we already had a strong advisory board. We had those 30 employers show up showing support. And they were like, let's, let's make this happen. And um, so they jumped in first, uh, Jim Hudson, uh, a local businessman, really he's based out of Columbia, which is his headquarters, but trying to grow his footprint here. We had a very brief conversation just over the phone. Uh, the interesting part is I didn't even meet him in person until the day we did the, the signing. Um, everything was just on the phone. We had a conversation and we told him what we wanted to do. He was like, I'm in. And so it's just been a blessing, quite honestly, for folks to kind of see um, the, the need in the, in the region. Uh, and it, it is a regional need because uh, we not only train for Augusta, you have to go to Savannah, you have to go to past Columbia because Columbia South Carolina does not do automotive training. So you basically have to go to Rock Hill or you have to go to Atlanta to get anybody in automotive and north of um, Elbert, um, Georgia. 
So we really do cover almost a 200-mile radius for all things automotive, and that's why this project was so significant for us to get it off the ground to feed the entire ecosystem uh, that's growing rapidly. And so, again, very fortunate to get those two gifts. Uh, you'll hear more about that project come fall. Uh, we're working through the purchase of, of the facility, and then we'll be making some some splash announcements shortly. So very, very excited. But that's going to be a transformative project for Augusta. Well, you also mentioned to Electric, um, and they're obviously in the news. Rivion has, has been announced that they're going to be just a, a short drive down the, the, the highway there. Um, you guys going to be supporting them at all? We are actually already supporting them indirectly. Um, you know, uh, since that announcement, Augusta, the region, Columbia County and um, uh, Richmond County, and we've had multiple um, prospect companies looking to move here, uh, tier three suppliers that want to supply uh, parts to Rivion, you know, whether it's equipment or lighting. Um, we have two projects next week actually coming here that want to support Rivion. So, we, we're seeing more support on the manufacturing side, um, and I'm very positive that we're probably going to land two to possibly five new manufacturers within the next few years that are going to support them. So, yes, we are. And, again, with the actual repair part of that, we are going to be building out an electrical vehicle repair in that new automotive facility. Uh, Augusta Tech, just as a shameless plug, um, the electrical vehicle curriculum for the state of Georgia was developed by our faculty. Wow. And so we are actually already leading the way in that. We have some pretty cool technology um, that our faculty are doing. And, um, and one of our faculty members, if you want to check him out, he uh, has a YouTube um, page, uh, Auto Scholars with Mr. B. He has about 4,000 followers, and he's doing some cool things on there. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we got a lot of cool things happening with the electrical vehicle side. We're, we're very, very excited to support that side of the industry. You bring up some interesting things about, you know, you're involved in some of the conversations with some of these auto suppliers for Rivian, and I'm sure others. At what point are you guys engaged in that conversation? Because you've got these these companies that are, are looking for destinations to, to land, right? They need to supply some people or they just want a distribution center. Um, and so certainly they've got to talk to your uh, community development partners and your uh, in Columbia County, Robbie Bennett's and things like that about land locations and about sewer or about water or about rail and all these kind of conversations. Right. But but they've got to support their business with the right workforce. And if the workforce doesn't exist, they can find the best land that's available and not have the right people. So at what point do you get engaged? And I would imagine that you're pretty important. In, in that conversation about us attracting businesses. So if you can kind of explain to us kind of what your role is in that and how the Augusta Tech, you know, system, you know, works in that environment. Yeah, that's, uh, again, one of those secret things. People don't know how involved we are with economic development. Uh, and I love it. Um, so in short, you know, it depends upon the time frame of the project. Um, we can get a call from Robbie and he'll, he'll say, hey, I need you next week at 2 o'clock to speak with the CEO. So it, most of the time, it's kind of spontaneous. Uh, but in short order, um, we, we typically know we have, a, a, I guess, a cadence that we're going to have X amount of projects a month. So we kind of know what those projects will somewhat look like. Most are around logistics, supply chain, manufacturing, advanced manufacturing, and automotive right now. And so what normally happens, they would contact me and say, hey, Dr. Rowe, we need you to have a conversation either with the site selector the consultant and or the company executives director uh, directly uh, 
Uh, and we have a conversation about workforce. They want to see how many graduates we have had in the past, what type of equipment um, we have. They want to know about our training programs. They want to know about our advisory boards. And then more importantly, they want to know about the connection that we have with K-12 because they're looking for a talent pipeline, right? Not only how many folks are graduating now, but how many folks are coming from high school into these programs that will feed their industry for the next 30 years. So it's a significant um, guarantee that we pretty much have to make that if they make you know, the Augusta region their home, we, we can be successful in helping them. Uh, and, and that's how the process normally happens. And we've, we've done a great job, quite honestly, because we have a pretty easy story to tell. And I think for us, using Rivian as an example, um, one of the big things that we're working on right now was building a new manufacturing facility right here in Columbia County. Uh, 75,000 square feet uh, in the Grovetown area, and that will basically triple the size of our current footprint, and that will bring on new technologies from pneumatics and uh, robotics, uh, mechatronics, new and uh, hydraulics. Uh, some of the things that they're wanting, 3D printing, 3D metal printing. Uh, we have some cool OEMs that are coming into place, uh, supporting that, ABB, KUKA. Um, I'm going to miss a few, Philips, PF, um, and, and so having those partners in that facility, we're also looking at um, building out 2,500 square feet of incubator soft landing space. You know, if you're recruiting a Japanese company and the site is not ready, where are their executives going to stay while it's being built? So we're putting that in place as a free um, rent opportunity, essentially, for them to come in and also do some R&D work in there as well. So we're really trying to be proactive so that as big projects like Rivion come in, into the area, the CSRA region, we will have the technology facilities and workforce pipeline developed to make us more competitive. Follow up on that. It, it, you're so, <laughs> the, the amount of information that this guy has at his, at his fingertips is impressive. And, and I mean, it sounds like he could run any number of different industries that would come here with all the knowledge. So. You've got a company that decides to come here uh, as uh, some kind of, you know, third party, maybe production facility that would support, you know, like a Rivian or a Tesla or something like that. Right. So you've got one of those at Com. Do, do you have any any sense of how that impacts your enrollment or the job needs that are posted by these companies? Do you see kind of upticks in enrollment based upon those needs? Because people realize if I want that job, I've got to get this education. And certainly a, a full circle, but do you see that happen? Is that what you know spurs enrollment, or do the people already enrolled kind of just feed into those jobs? I'm curious about that life cycle. It goes both ways. So cyber, we have um, our cyber numbers have shot up because of the cyber growth. So if you go back pre 2018, we probably had about a hundred something students in cyber. We're over 400 now. So it's it's shot up proportionately with the growth of cyber. Manufacturing, it has not yet. And the reason why it hasn't with manufacturing is we have not made manufacturing sexy for our students. Uh, and also changing the perception of what families think manufacturing is. They still think it's hot, oily, sweaty, you know, and, and that's not what it is. It's clean, air conditioned. And so that's why this new facility that we're trying to build here is really going to change the perception, but also hopefully get students much more interested in what that looks like. Uh, and so that will catch up. We got some work to do to, to try to spearhead that. Um, but I would tell you, yes, cyber is a great example. Healthcare is a great example. We have a wait list in healthcare that we're about to get rid of here shortly for partnership with Piedmont Augusta. 
But more importantly, yes, um, you do see if industries are coming, people do pay attention. And then the other side of that, too, you have a lot of incumbent workforce training. So we're also constantly training folks who work at John Deere, Textron. They're sending their employees back for additional training to keep them globally competitive. So it goes both ways. You know, I think it's interesting, too, that your comment about, uh, you know, not selling manufacturing. Um, and there, I think there's a, a lot around that. You know, for, through the Chambers Foundation, we're talking about, you know, trade jobs as, you know, it's a, it's, it's a viable uh, career path to go down. Um, again, you don't have the, the four-year college, uh, you know, student loans over your head, different things like that. But kind of going to your point on, on the manufacturing side of things, um, the, manufacturing isn't what it used to be. It's robotics. It's, you know, a lot of other very clean environment. How do you see at the college level or even at the high school level, how can we break through? Because obviously parents are the, are the key. Nine, probably 95% of the time, you know, they, they see, they don't want to send their kid to a tech college. They want to send them to Yale or what's the point he made. It's not yeah, sexy yeah. enough. Right. I mean, so you can talk the kind of philosophical talk about, you know, what have we done in our communities and kind of elevating that liberal arts degree over the technical degree and how many kids are still living at mom and dad's house after that liberal arts education? And you've got everybody, 99% of your people are employed after they graduate. I mean, the, the statistics speak for themselves. So I, yeah, not to I, steal what, your question, no, Russ, but, but I mean, how, how do we, we change do? that mindset for folks to say that, you know, this is maybe even the preferable path Absolutely. to go down? I think, I think it's a multi-pronged approach. So, you know, when you think about the folks um, who are giving guidance to our students, they're four-year graduates, right? So people, people replicate and they communicate what they know. And if they don't know alternative paths, then they can't communicate that effectively. So you have to make champions of folks and giving them exposure. And this, this chamber has done that. You're getting the, the counselors out there to go see GIW and to see John Deere. Because if they're ignorant of those opportunities, they can't communicate what they don't know. And so I think we have to do that. And then more importantly, it's the employers, too. Um, you know, we're working to really get the employers to be more visible in the high schools. Like from day one, we really need to start in middle school, quite honestly. Yeah. So that they are aware of these opportunities. I was at a middle school not too long ago. And uh, you're just talking to students and asking them about, you know, vehicles. And they're like, yeah, we love cars. And uh, I said, well, you know, who, who makes cars? And they're like, we don't know. You know, like they just come from somewhere. You right, know? right. But there's really no idea. Like somebody has to manufacture it. And you've got cool kids that want to draw. So they have artistic abilities. They, they, they want to draw vehicles. I'm like, you know, it's a career, right? You could be an architectural designer. They're like, I didn't know that. And so just getting them exposed and, and getting them out there to see what's possible I think will really help them to better articulate their own vision, even if they don't stay on that, that trajectory, because, you know, people change and, and that's OK. But I think not even having a trajectory at all is a problem that many of our students have, because when they graduate, many of them don't know exactly what they want to do. And so then they just randomly select, well, I'll go in the military or I'll go to a four year college and I'll figure it out once I get there. And so I think the more we can better educate our students from middle school, we really need elementary school, but at least middle school to provide pathways to say, 
You know, you have healthcare, you have arts and sciences, you have IT, you have manufacturing, like give them these different options and then have the employers come in and have a very deep conversation to say, these are careers that you could possibly do. Here are earnings that you can do and then utilize our PTOs, our PTAs to say, parents, you also need to be much more educated about these options. It, so it, it takes it takes a village, quite honestly, um, because if you go historically back to the creation, again, of the technical colleges, it was really birthed to train folks for new employers. And so four-year colleges have been around for <laughs> centuries, essentially, yeah. essentially. And we still have, from a societal standpoint, I think the 70s, the 80s were really the turning point in America. Um, folks were really, really pushed to go to four-year experience and people want the amenities, you know, the band, the sororities and fraternities. And some folks, that's what they crave for, right? You have legacy families. So my son went to Georgia. He's going to Georgia. So it, you have all those things that interplay. Uh, but when you get down to the bolts and nuts of the ROI, I will say that this generation is much more interested in ROI compared to the last two, whether you're talking about millennials or X or boomers. And so I, I do see a convergence of younger folks being a little bit more um, invested in how much is it going to cost me? What type of job am I going to get? They're asking those questions more than they did in previous generations. So we just got to continuously encourage that and don't downgrade the options that they choose. You're so right. I think, you know, generationally, I'm the Gen X and I think so is Russ. And so there, there were really two options. It was get a job right out of high school or go to a four-year degree. Right. Which I did. I wanted exactly what you laid out. I played baseball in college. I wanted that full experience, right? I wanted to move off, live in a dorm, have the band, go to the football games. And I enjoyed that. Uh, but I've got, I've got a lot of friends now uh, living in Augusta that are, you know, have been to Fort Gordon, maybe, you know, retired out or they've gotten out of the military. And you asked the question, you know, what took you to the Army? And so many of them say, well, it was really my only option out of town. I didn't have any other prospects. And so it was either, you know, work at the local whatever they had in town, or I couldn't go to a, a four-year degree, you know, college because I, I didn't have the resources or it was too far from home. And it's, it seems like it was never a part of the conversation to go get the free automotive or the free welding or the free, I mean, you're offering all these free things. So, so those are the conversations that have got to, to be had with our guidance counselors and within the chambers and within all these people that are coming in contact with the students, because you're right, this new generation, I mean, they are looking at life and their career in a drastically different way than we did. Well, and, and I'll, I'll just add to that, Rig, and I think to uh, Dr. Borrell, you kind of touched on that, you know, um, everybody kind of wants that experience. And I, and I think parents had that experience and they want their kids to have that experience. But the question really becomes, do you want your kid to have that experience or do you want your kid to have a successful career and do something that makes a steady income, sets them up for success for the rest of their life? And, you know, some of these kids can retire at 50 years old, or, you know, or even earlier because they don't have the college debt. They're making six figures coming out of tech college. and Absolutely. and you know, why, why send them to the, get the experience when you're setting them up for life instead? Well, if you think about just the media in general, right? I always ask people, how many movies have you seen about to your 
technical colleges. <laughs> right. Yeah. The movies, TV shows are always about the band, you know, the yep. jocks. Like, I mean, that, that's what we portray in the media. And so when you put that out there, that's what people think. That's, that's what right. they know. Um, you, you just don't see, you know, shows about two-year colleges and community colleges. Wasn't there one on there, NBC or there, there was community? one, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but it, look how long it took to put yeah. that out there. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're fighting an uphill battle of just years of um, narratives. And, uh, and now, but I, what I would say, we're doing a better job trying to get our message out there. And those who find us are like, thank God I did. And matter of fact, I need to tell somebody else because I'm having a heck of a time and I'm having a great career and I'm making good money uh, and they're proud of their experiences. And so if we can just champion that as a community, and again, we're not saying that technical colleges for every single person, those who are going to go to Brown, go to Brown, right? But we also know for a vast majority of our students, they're not going to Brown. They're not going to Tech, Georgia Tech. They're not going to UGA. So let's get them something. They need some type of post-secondary credential uh, to have a sustainable wage and to have a good life. And that's available right here in the marketplace. So we don't want to run them off uh, and not and have them be ignorant of what's available right here in their community. That's exactly right. And I'll, I mean, just my background, I actually, I went to a two-year college before I ever went to a four-year college because I thought I knew what I wanted to do and thank God I did because I ended up changing what I was going after because after the two years I said, mm, I don't, I don't, I don't like this path. I, you know? Yeah. Well, I started at a four year and changed. And so that was an expensive change, expensive. right? Yes. After my, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. Cause Absolutely. I, I did some, took some classes that ultimately weren't necessary. So instead of, so instead of $300 a class, <laughs> I had that $1,500 class right? that I didn't need. So yeah, it's, it's important. And, and yeah, the, the points you make about, you know, how, the college experience is portrayed in the media and what that does to all of us emotionally and how much we can discount other options is important. And I, I, I will say this cause I want our listeners to hear this. I told, uh, previous to our recording here, I told you the story about the young man I met, uh, at the gym in the, in the locker room. And for our listeners, I met a man in the locker room that was, uh, telling me about a, a new job he had. And, um, I was asking him about it and he said that, he was starting a brand new, or he just started a brand new welding job and had gotten this, this 12 month or 18 month free program at Augusta Tech uh, and learned how to weld. And, and he was over the moon excited because the, the environment and background he came out of, you know, his mindset was, I will never achieve anything because my parents didn't and their parents didn't, and I don't know how. It was only because someone told him about the program. It was another student who came through the same program who got that $35 an hour, now making six figures as a welder, told this guy, look, dude, you've got to do what I did. And so he went to Augusta Tech, and, and I will never forget. This was years ago. I will never forget the excitement in this young man's face whenever he was talking about his, how much his life was about to change. And he saw not just what his life was going to be, but he was, he was looking at this as like a generational change for him. And the, the power in that has always drawn me back to how important Augusta Tech and the technical college system is. And we've, we have got to, I think as the chamber, Russ, I think we do a great job. We've got to do an even better job of changing that narrative exactly. to, to make sure that everybody knows how important the system is and that the, the career paths are out there uh, that can you know, really lead to a fantastic life and career. Yeah. 
Well, and and even exciting ones too, because you guys have also added uh, the the film and and uh, what is it? The film maybe you movie? should make your own movie, right? About technical <laughs> colleges. Yeah. Don't give me too many ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. You know, we partnered with the Georgia Film Academy. Um, our first class started in January. They are doing an outstanding job, uh, and that's feeding into the ecosystem of film that's coming here. So many movies and Netflix and HBO. Uh, wanting to do series um, here Warner Brothers has been calling multiple times uh, and again those are just great opportunities to work on film crews and make very very good money and so again I think just opening up the understanding that there are multiple options for students uh, right here in this community there are multiple training programs that are available to them and, and they don't have to be trapped with making an either or there's an and there and uh, you mentioned baccalaureate degree students. I got a statistic for you. So at Augusta Tech, about 12% of our students now already have a bachelor's degree. So they're coming back to us uh, for some type of skill training. And that's interesting, right? So you get a, a degree in biology, and you may not have gotten to med school, but you come back and, and get an um, associate's degree in rad tech or respiratory care, uh, and they're able to work in a hospital setting. So it, it, we're seeing it both ways. Um, and people are seeing the value of what we offer. Well, you guys, well, you specifically, you're out in the community a lot. Um, I, I joked with you before uh, we started our session that you must have a twin uh, somewhere or you've found a way at your college to clone yourself. Uh, you're involved in multiple boards, different things like that. Um, but you've been here you know, almost two years. What sorts of challenges and things are you seeing out in the community, for, especially for the business world? Uh, and what is Augusta Tech and maybe what can the chamber be doing working together to, to maybe or to find solutions for some of these challenges? Yeah, I think talent, um, you know, uh, retention is, is a challenge and the talent attraction is a challenge. Uh, we just don't have enough folks in the workforce, in the labor force. And so, and then the other challenge is we have a lot of folks who are on the sideline, right? So they're eligible to work, they're physically or mentally capable of working, but for whatever reason, they're not working. And that, that's a whole another podcast. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, our opportunity is how, how do we get those folks engaged? Um, and many of them, they typically need some type of short-term training. Uh, we really try to, we really try to respond to uh, getting people to the marketplace faster, but still quality uh, by offering what we're calling fast training programs, which is focused accelerated skills training. Uh, we've implemented that for manufacturing and healthcare and IT. And these are 90 day or less trainings to get people some type of skill and get them to work ASAP. Uh, and that was in response from employers. They were like, you know, I can't wait six months. I can't wait a year. Uh, can you get them to me faster and uh, and but still quality and make sure that they're safe right so we've put those things into place but I would say that that talent crunch is really hurting us because business is just booming right now I mean the companies have more work <laughs> than they can handle which is a good problem right but the challenge is they can't grow unless they have talent and there's only so much automation IT support um, that they can put in place to to replace a, a person to do that work and so we're looking every day to ensure that every one of our students graduate. That's, that's a key for us. We don't want them to just, you know, take a course or two and walk out. We want them to graduate so they can have that credential. But more importantly, we're trying to get all those individuals who are underemployed, those who are unemployed, and those discouraged workers, how do we get them off the shelf 
and get them something to then go to work and get them plugged in. And so that that's the, the ultimate opportunity because our ability to really grow this region is dependent upon us activating all act areas of our talent pool. And that also includes folks who have disabilities and also those who might have been previously incarcerated. Um, so we're, we're turning over every stone uh, to ensure that people are not ignorant of what's available and making sure that we can get them to the employer as soon as possible. Well, Dr. Whirl, it's obvious that you are having an outsized influence in your short a year and nine months or whatever it's been. I mean, you are having quite the impact and certainly Augusta Tech has been having an impact for years and it's impressive to see what you're doing and how you're growing that and how you're increasing the influence that Augusta Tech has on our community. If we could just switch gears just a bit and get back to you as a person to kind of learn what makes you tick and and why you are doing what you do and the impact that you're having, influence you're having on students across our region and, and the business community across our region. This is the Range of Influence podcast. And we always ask this question. I'm very curious in this answer with you. You know, who or what? What experience and or what person in, in your past had maybe the, the greatest or most profound impact on you that influenced you to be the person you are today? Uh, I would have to say my parents. And um, I started at you know, the top of this podcast talking about both of them were technical college graduates. And let me give you a personal example of why I cherish what I do. So my dad came out of the Army. He was an Army guy, came out in Fort Jackson, Columbia, and then found his way in Charleston. Uh, working at the Naval Shipyard and uh, started taking classes at night, um, specifically HVAC welding carpentry because he wanted to be a general contractor. He's been general contracting since 1989, um, still owning his own company. It's been very, very successful. But I recall when we when he first started going, and I remember the transition perfectly. Um, when I was born, we were born in a one-bedroom, one-bath house. Uh, that's all they could afford. When they graduated with their associate's degree, my mother got a job with Roper St. Francis. She just retired six years ago after 36 years of service. Because of that degree at Trident Tech, my dad ended up starting a tax company that he still owns um, and also general contracting. He, he ended up owning a truck company, so he did multiple things. Uh, and I remember going from the one-bedroom house that they were able to buy a four-bedroom house, two baths, we were the first person in our neighborhood to get a big screen TV. You remember when that was a big yeah. deal? Well, yeah. that was huge. Like all the kids would come to our home and we were able to buy trucks and all this stuff. And I saw, you know, we were shopping at Goodwill and now we're shopping at JCPenney's and Sears and Montgomery Ward. So I personally saw our entire life change from the income that they were able to make and, and the, the business that he was able to create just from that technical college education. It was huge. And so from a personal perspective, I always wanted to replicate my story with other students because there are so many students in this community that are struggling, might be in poverty, might not have the means. And I know what it had did for me and my family, and I know what it can do for them if they just take advantage of it, using the example you gave with the welding student. And so our college is focused on transformation. That's in our vision statement, that we want to transform lives we also want to transform organizations, the companies that we work with, and eventually we want to transform the community. And so my parents gave me that. Um, I saw it with my own eyes, how we progressed. Uh, and then down the road, when it came to actually teaching, uh, I hired a, a tutor 
uh, from California when I was working at the group home. Um, he retired from teaching to, at a two-year college for 30 years. And he said, man, you can teach. You might, you need to think about teaching at a two-year college. And that was my entree view into it, and I've been doing it ever since. And so from a personal perspective and a professional perspective, I've had those two experiences. And uh, that's what keeps me going in the morning and, and all through, throughout the day. That is, I think, probably one of the most inspiring uh stories that sure we've heard is. so far on our podcast i've got one more question for you dr world would you come back with us sometime because yeah. i know you guys have plans for a lot of other things going on in the community uh i mean we just we're we're out of time we, we were probably out of time about 15 minutes ago but the conversation was amazing and i don't i want to continue that absolutely and continue our partnership between the chamber and and augusta tech because there are a lot of things happening and a lot of big things happening that, um, you know, if, if we're not in front of it and on top of it, uh, you know, it can get out of, out of control or we could lose sight of some big issues. So thank you for your time today. We really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to having, having you back in the studio. Thank you again. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, thanks to the Columbia County Chamber for all you all do. It's, it's phenomenal. Let's keep it moving. How can you not be inspired by that conversation that we just had with Dr. Whirl? You know, maybe mo the smartest and most informed man I've, we've had in the studio, maybe that we've talked to before. I mean, just so uh, engaged in technical education. His story about why he's in it is, is so impactful. You know, it's just amazing what he's done. Launching a new brand, uh, some of the programs, the film, the the automotive the, i mean everything has just it's just incredible we've got to pay attention to what he's doing and what that college is doing it is amazing you think about he's not even been here two years and the amount of change that that he's done and and not that augusta tech was in any way a bad program or had bad programming before he just has taken it to he's the elevating next it to a next level for sure it's crazy what he's done and augusta tech is going to be an integral part in the future of our development here for this region. We want to take this opportunity to thank all of our listeners for your support. It's been fun to watch the podcast grow and we want it to continue growing. So please remember to subscribe to range of influence through your favorite podcast app and be sure to share our show with your friends and rate us on whatever platform you listen from. You're so right, Reagan. It's daunting when you start this podcast and start with zero listeners uh, but we've had some great fans and supporters that have helped us grow and and it's great to watch the the program grow and hear from all the different variety of guests that we've had on before we sign off i want to give one more shout out to our presenting sponsor premier networks be sure to visit them at augustaitguys.com again that's augustaitguys.com we'll catch you guys next time on range of influence